good to see everyone here this evening. We've got a good crowd, and I appreciate that very much. And um, we're going to continue with our study in Philippians, the second chapter. If you don't have questions, there are some on the back table. This set of questions deals with verses 16 through 22. I'd like to go back to verse... Uh, well, let's, let's just go back to the beginning, and we'll read through, um, let's see, we'll probably read through verse 24. <clears throat> Paul writing there to the church at Philippi says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, <clears throat> if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish <coughs> excuse me, ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and becoming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has, has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast the word of the life, so that I might, may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all, for the same reason that also, for the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. So throughout the first part of this book, we, we understand that 
that um, Paul is really kind of just kind of laying some groundwork for them. He's praising them for what they do, their faithfulness, their their um, you know holding fast to to the the word of truth and doing the things that they need to. Be, but he also gives them encouragement, maybe some things that maybe they're a little bit lacking on, and tries to tries to get them kind of maybe all headed in the right direction. Talks about unity. Talks about being humble to each other, putting each other first, and things of that nature. But he um, he tells them that they're basically kind of doing a good job. They're, he's praising them, but, but still encouraging them, I guess is the term I'm really looking for, encouraging them to continue doing what they're doing and showing them that they are this light of the world, that they shine as lights in the world, he says. And so now he comes here to... To verse 16 and he says holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain and the question is what is meant by the phrase holding fast the words the word of life and what is the day of Christ well this there, there was a, some of the commentators kind of had a couple of different ideas about this but um, the if you go to Thayer's and look at that, uh, the term holding fast, he, Thayer says to hold towards, hold forth, present as a light by which illumined ye are the lights of the world. And I kind of get the idea that what he's saying, even, even though it can be taken in two different, two different ways, he's saying for them to basically take the gospel which they have and to proclaim it, to take it and, and have that light that it gives light. In other words, that it's effective in what, what it has to do. I believe the other way that he that is talked about is, in other words, kind of holding fast or being firm and sure and steadfast uh, in the faith is another way that it was looked at as well or, or described as. But he, he talks about um, uh, them and encouraging them to continue doing what they're doing, in other words, taking that word and using it as we would a torch or a or a flashlight that shines light on our path to gives us to know where we need to walk where we need to stay in the path and i think that is really the term that's being used here so he's encouraging them um, as as if we go back to to uh, verse 14 he says do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of god without fault in the midst of a crooked and person Perverse generation. Now that tends to mean that they're the 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 society that they're living in is not always going in the right direction. So they're living amongst these people that would want to pervert and take them di different directions. So he says, um, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So it kind of ties together with that same. Uh, idea of holding fast the words of life, holding fast, in other words, taking that light, if they're the shining as the lights of the world, to take that light and then use it for the good, to shine and, and help each other in staying on the path and other, uh, others to help them also know where the path is so they can obey the gospel and then all of them working together in unity then to make sure that everyone is going in the right direction. The words of life talked about here I believe certainly is the gospel. Um, so to take that light, which is the, the gospel, 
and using that as the way to, to light the direction in which they go. If we look at John 6 and 63, um, th there says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life, the words of life. So taking that uh, gospel and spreading it, the church at Philippi had the responsibility of spreading the gospel. It was taking the words of life, spiritual life, to these that are lost in sin and sustaining that, defending it, taking it, and using it effectively. So the word had spiritual life within it. And then the day of Christ is the day when Christ comes again, the day that Paul is trying to prepare them for. He's encouraging them to stay faithful and to keep doing what they're doing. And Paul's stating that his desires for them to remain blameless and them to walk or walk with within and, and in the Lord. Verse 17. Verse 17 reads, Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. So this was a bit of a difficult for me. Uh, some others may not have found it that difficult, but it was a little bit for me to kind of really hopefully get a grasp on what was being, being talked about here. Well, this was a term, this was really kind of a Hebrew term of, of being poured out. Poured out as a drink offering, Paul is talking about this practice among the Jews and even among some of the pagans that they would sacrifice to their gods. They would pour liquid, that sometimes that would be blood, sometimes it would be wine, sometimes it could be perfume and other things that were had some value to them. And they would pour it on the thing that they were sacrificing. So it was kind of like a, um, um, I'm trying to think of the word I wrote down here, now I can't find it. Um, Well, I'll find it here in a minute. So, if we go back to um, Numbers uh, 15 and verses 4 through 5, and also verses uh, chapter 28 and verse 7, this kind of brings us this this example of of the of the law. It says, "Then he who presents his offering to the Lord shall bring a grain offering of one tenth of an ephah of flour." of fine flour mixed with one-fourth of a hen of oil and one-fourth of a hen of wine as a drink offering you shall prepare the burnt offering or the sacrifice for each lamb <clears throat> so they would take these elements and they would mix them together and that would become this 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 offering that would be poured over the the lamb that was going to be sacrificed the, the Hebrew that that word hen is a Hebrew unit of measure that is about five and a half quarts. So they take five and a half quarts of oil and five and a half cups, five and a half quarts of wine. And of course the term wine here doesn't necessarily mean that it was fermented uh, 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 juice or, 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 or the grape juice, but, but um, simply the blood of the grape. And then they would mix those together and that would become then that drink offering. The, um, and so then uh, the grammar of I'm being poured out that Paul talks about is, 
is, um, indicates the possibility that his execution may be short, uh, coming or, or closely uh, to them. And this was, uh, and if this was so, he was willing to make his sacrifice of his blood being shed for the cause of Christ. Um, so if we go back and read this, he says, Yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you. Um, notice what Paul told Timothy also in, in 2 Timothy 4 and verses 6 and 7. He says, For I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought, fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. So Paul was basically saying the end of his life was coming. He's ready to be poured out as a drink offering. In other words, he's ready to be given as a sacrifice for the cause of Christ if it, if it was necessary. And so that's kind of what Paul is saying here, I believe. For their service and their faith, he was willing to even give his life to continue their work in Christ, to help them continue their work in Christ. And he says, and I'm glad and rejoice with you. Um, also on that point of, and sacrifice your faith. So Paul is stating that if he had to even sacrifice his life, give his life, which is considered, here's what I was looking for, this minor sacrifice to him compared to that which was being poured upon would be the major sacrifice. So that mixing of the wine and the oil was the minor sacrifice of giving those things that had value and putting it then on the major sacrifice, which was the lamb that was given. So even Paul's comparing himself, even if I have to give my blood, it's a minor sacrifice for what Christ is doing and the cause of Christ. I hope that I haven't confused you too much on that. So even that humble service, of him doing that would bring joy to him. Paul's life was going to be a sacrifice for Jesus Christ, either in life or in death. He was giving everything that he had towards the cause of Christ. So this was the source of his gladness. This is what made him happy that he was seeing that the church at Philippi was doing what they, what they were supposed to be doing. He found pleasure in that. He found gladness in that. And he was willing, regardless, to give even his life, uh, that there might be more, even more joy. And he wanted these Philippians to even adopt that same attitude. So verses 18 through 20 now we come to. And it reads, For the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. And that really kind of carries along with what is, we just said. He was wanting them to rejoice along with him. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. So it's not that Paul necessarily, I believe, was worried that they were doing things wrong. I think it's just like you and I when we haven't talked to somebody for a while or seen a letter from them or talked to them on the phone or whatever it may be, that we kind of get ourselves concerned about how everybody's doing, how things are going. If everybody's 
you know, doing well, or people remaining faithful, and, and, and things of that nature. So he says, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. So Paul's heart <clears throat> was relying on whatever the Lord's will was. He was trusting the Lord that he might be able to do that. Even though he was in chains in prison, he was hoping to be able to be freed from those things and be able to come and be with them. But he says, I want to send Timothy. I want to send Timothy. Whatever the Lord's will is, though, that I may be, also may be encouraged when I know your state. Paul didn't expect there were any problems there, <clears throat> but he, he would be encouraged when I know what's going on. Just like you and I, when we call and we worry about somebody and we hear their voice and we talk to them, see everybody's doing go, we can relax about it. And that's really kind of, I believe, what is being said. The contrast to this, I believe, is, you know, about, let, let's for, say, example, the, the church at Corinth, where there was a lot of problems that Paul was aware of. And he was writing those letters that were much more pointed about all the things that they were doing wrong. That's not the, that's not the, the, the uh, flavor, if you want to say, of, of this letter to them. That's not the, the tone of this letter. He's encouraging them and things of this nature. He's not hammering on them like he was the Corinthians. <clears throat> so he goes on then to say about Timothy, he says, I have no one like-minded. Um, and one of the, I believe it was Thayer said, uh, he said, in other words, another uh, explanation of this, I have no one equal in soul. We know what that's like to have somebody that um, it just seems like we know what they're thinking and we know what their next move is going to be, what their next action is going to be, how they feel about certain things. We, we have that, that closeness to them. Um, he said, so who will sincerely or um, the King James Version says, naturally care for your state. So Paul's desire is to know that things are well with them and that he can stop worrying about them. Timothy would also make sure that there, that, that, uh, there was, if there was anything lacking, he would take care of that. He would see to their needs uh, and it would be cared for. Not necessarily for the benefit of easing Paul's anxiety, but was also um, that... The, the, this likeness uh, uh, of Timothy and Paul's t together, that Timothy probably was the same, had the same feelings. It's kind of like um, we, we talk about certain people and we say, well, you know, we're just kind of like bosom buddies. That's kind of way that I feel like what Paul is saying about Timothy, that they had this closeness that was not like all of maybe Paul's other acquaintances. Maybe even some of the apostles, but even some of the other apostles probably maybe were sent off doing other works and things that, like that and, and weren't available. But still, Paul's preference was that Timothy go, and he knew he'd get a good report. He knew that he could trust Timothy. He knew that he could put confidence in him. He knew that he would take care of things that would be um, needed and things of that nature. Now, verse 21, uh, it says, what does this verse mean? And verse 21 reads, for all seek their own, not the things 
which are of Christ Jesus. There were others, of course, mentioned earlier in chapter 1 about others that were preaching for the wrong reason. They were, he said, Paul was glad that they were still even preaching the truth, but their motives were, were not right. Um, but Timothy is one who stood out. Uh, he wasn't like that. He was separate and apart from any of the others. Um, and it seems that they were, that had this closeness that Paul, again, didn't have in any others. Timothy was uh, one that Paul felt he could have complete confidence in. And the other, others, maybe not quite as much. Um, verse 22 we'll finish up here quickly verse 22 reads but you know his proven character that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel and he said what is meant by the phrase as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel well he's basically saying you know who Timothy is. He's proven himself to you. And this passage also indicates how close and intimate that relationship was between Paul and Timothy. And, and he's, he's, he's comparing that to, the, to the, the relationship between a father and a son. And the closeness that a father and a son would have. That they worked together and had so, so many things in common and devoting their lives to the cause of Christ. So just as a father would know all the things about his son, and so the son would know the things about his father and that closeness and that intimacy that other people would maybe not even know or understand. There are things that my children understand about me and I understand about them that other folks don't understand. That's the closeness that Paul and Timothy had. That's the how close of a relationship they had. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.